Hi, this is Carrie. And this is Sandy. And this is Crime, Crime Bitches, Bitches Countdown. Crimes are a terrible thing, but the only silver lining to them may be that in the wake of these crimes comes positive change. This week's topic is crimes that result in new laws. We will describe the crimes that happen and the laws that were enacted as a direct result of these crimes that took place. Case number one. We're going to talk about Ernesto Miranda. Can you guess what law this was? Miranda rights! Yay! You're so good at this. Okay, When now, did this happen? Uh, 1963. So, there are a lot of conflicting facts about this case, so I'm just going to tell you that at the beginning, and I think throughout I can tell you, like, which ones I'm not 100% sure on. Um, mm-hmm. But you know how it is. It's kind of like whisper down the line. Somebody said this, somebody said yeah. that. All right, so Ernesto Miranda was 23 or 24, no idea, when uh, this crime occurred. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. He had a police record for things like burglary, driving a stolen car, um, kind of not really big crimes, not violent crimes by any means. So just little ones, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> little crimes. That's what we should yeah. have a whole episode oh, of, God. little crimes. Um March 3rd, 1963, an 18-year-old woman left work, and she took a bus home. When she got off the bus, she was going to her house, and she was kidnapped by Ernesto, who forced her into the backseat of his car, tied her up, and drove about 20 minutes outside of town, stopped the car, raped her, demanded her money, and then drove her back and dropped her off, like, right in the city. Like, just not far from home. That's super weird, first of all. Well, it's super (laughs) stupid. I mean, yeah, but whatever. So (laughs) that's one of these little crimes that he's, he's so famous for. Actually, you know what? I, I think it might be. Oh, wow. No, no, it's this, it's the kidnapping. Okay. So, um, she went to police obviously, because that's the first thing you're going to do. And she told them her attacker drove a green or a gray car with dark upholstery that had stripes. And she also described him. Oh, good for her. Now, a few days later, someone saw a car matching the description. But I don't know who it was. It was either her, it was her brother, her cousin, or a family friend. Some of them were like, she was with her cousin, they both saw it. Some were like, her brother was out, you know. So I don't freaking know who saw it, but somebody saw the car. Will suffice it to say. They, whoever it was, gave a partial license plate to the police who identified Ernesto. Uh, March 13th, which was 10 days after the attack, he was arrested and taken to the police station. They put him in a lineup, and now here's a dispute. Some some people said that she was able to identify him, and other people said she wasn't able to identify him, so I'm not 100% sure. I definitely, like, multiple sources had multiple conflicting things. Interesting. They questioned him for two hours, but they didn't tell him that he had the right to a lawyer and a right to be silent. So, uh, that said, he thought he had to speak. So he confessed. He was taken to court. He was convicted. He got 20 to 30 years in prison. In 1966, the Supreme Court reversed it, and they got him a new trial. They did not include the confession, but he still got a conviction. Okay. That's good. So the Supreme Court decision from Miranda v. Arizona stated that police must read a person his or her rights after an arrest and custodial interrogation. Now, that is important. 
It's only after an arrest or a custodial interrogation, which means it doesn't apply if a detective, say, comes to your house, leaves a card, and says, call me, and you do, and you talk Mm -hmm. to them, or you go to the police station and you answer questions. Miranda rights don't apply. Let's say uh, they stop you in traffic, and multiple people are arrested, and uh, they put you in the backseat of the car. Well, you know how cars now have... Most of the car, police cars have uh, cameras, and they record while you're in... Well, we don't know in the car. I don't think you know, but you might know. I'm just playing with you. Yeah, no. Um, don't know. If you're sitting in the car with your conspirator or whatever, and you all are talking about the crime, Miranda rights do not have to be read, because technically you're not part of a custodial interrogation. Does that make but sense? But you've been arrested. You've been arrested, but no one's questioning you. So if but you're opening your mouth after you've been arrested and part of a custodial interrogation. So it's one, it's both of them, not just one. Yes. You so, have to be arrested and part of a custodial interrogation in order for them to have to, the necessity for Miranda rights. Yes. So if let's say they bring you to the police station, they've arrested you. They put you in a room. Somebody comes in and you just go, I did it. No one has asked you a question, so that can be used. And um, if you get your mom to come in, you know, and you tell but your mom about how is that different it. than, how is that different than what the, uh, this, di- oh, because they asked him a question, sorry. I just yeah. answered my own question. Yep. So do Got you, it. do you but know what you're, go ahead. It's kind of weird to me. Okay, right. You don't have to talk. Bad doggies. Um, you, whoever said you, it's not like anyone can force your mouth to move. Why would this guy ever think that he had to talk? Well, and versus, you know, remaining, like, obviously you have right to a lawyer, which would, is, is one of those good things. Um, right to remain silent. Otherwise you could get incriminated yourself. Like, obviously, like some of these things I think are put in place as idiot clauses and and we're having to do this more and more and more in life about putting these idiot clauses of things because people are have 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 no common sense well that's true but that's like uh the warnings you get on the side of a box or something you know that are very blatantly obvious so it's kind of the same idea i think um but that's my point is is like the fact that you have to put on Tide Pods now, do not eat. <laughs> like, you know, why was this, you know, I, I don't think we're letting Darwinism take enough of a, of a role in society anymore. And instead, we're just allowing stupid people to continue by by making the world dumber, by having to put these warning labels on absolutely everything. I just think that part of it is in a police interrogation, and, and I only say this from watching a bazillion police interrogations, never having been a part of one, the the pressure's on. They really will grill into you, and I think some people uh-huh. do feel forced. Plus, they will make comments like, you have to tell us, even though you really don't. I know. They lie. But, again, I guess I'm just a stubborn ass, and I'm like, you can't make me open my mouth. What are you going to do, arrest me for being quiet? Mm-hmm. Send me to prison for being quiet? Yeah. Like, that's, that's me, my stubborn ass. Like, you could you could interrogate me all night. Like, no, it's my choice to open my mouth and say words. You can't force that out of me. 
I don't disagree, but not everyone is like I, I understand. I understand how people would feel pressured, though, and feel like they have to say something. But I guess also in being in a business world, like, I don't tell people anything. I answer a direct question. Outside of that, I am not telling you anything besides the answer to your question. Because I am not giving you anything as a supplier, vendor, customer relationship. I am not giving you any more information than is absolutely necessary. Well, see, but that's smart on your part. And not everyone is smart. So. Exactly. You don't you don't want to dig the hole, but so many people do dig the hole. Well, and I think when you get nervous, you start to get verbal diarrhea. Oh, God, you do. It's so true. Yeah, And then, yeah. then you make mistakes like saying, how long does DNA last? You know. <laughs> Do you know Nobody's what the Mar- ever done that? <laughs> Do you know what the Miranda rights are? Uh, it your right to remain silent. Anything you do or say can be held against you in court. Yep, you have a right to an attorney, mm-hmm. to have an attorney present, I should say. And if you can't afford an attorney, they will appoint you one before questioning. So yeah, so Ernesto Miranda, he's the one who got us Miranda rights. Interesting. I honestly didn't know that was based off a person. Like, I thought that was just, but it, it I mean, it makes sense. You'd probably be surprised, but, like, how many things happen that are based off of a case, like, yeah. it spurred it. But, yeah, um, kind of interesting, and it's a shame because in most of these cases we're going to talk about, uh, the laws obviously are not going to, like, the law changes are not going to help people part of the mm-hmm. case because you can't what's the word I want? Like retroactive a law. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and in his but case, he must even have without... had one hell of a lawyer to fight for that in the first place. Yeah, I would agree. There are good lawyers out there, man. I just don't know many. <laughs> well, I don't know a whole lot of lawyers. So <laughs> unfortunately, um, that's true. So next we're going to talk about Amber Hagerman. Any guesses on the law? Amber Law, Amber, Amber Amber Alert, Amber Amber Alert. Alert. Yep. I was gonna say, no way they used her last name for anything. (laughs) No, could you imagine? All right, Amber Hagerman. She was nine years old from Texas. Uh, January thirteenth, nineteen ninety six. She went to ride a bike, her bike with her five year old brother, uh, Ricky. It was around uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, roughly. So it's not like Mm -hmm. dark out or anything like that. And they always. They always stayed very close. They, I think it said, like, never more than two-tenths of a mile. So, pretty close. And in mm-hmm. the 90s, it wasn't as crazy as it is now, so. Right. You know. Uh, she went into a Winn-Dixie grocery store parking lot, and her brother didn't want to do that, so he left and went home. Unfortunately, huh. after he left, a black truck pulled up beside her, a man jumped out and grabbed her, and she was gone. Now... A 78-year-old man did witness it. His name was Jimmy Kevill. He immediately called police. He gave them a description of the man, and he said he was white or Hispanic. He was in his 20s or 30s, and he had dark hair. So, not a whole lot to go on, because that's a wide range. But you gotta start somewhere, right? Right. So, searches began immediately. Um, Unfortunately, four days later, Amber was found dead in a creek. She was totally nude and her throat was cut. Now, they uh, they really didn't give much information on what exactly caused her death, I'm going to guess the throat cut, and they didn't really specify whether or not she was assaulted. 
Right. The case is actually still unsolved. So there is oh. that. In 2021, police released new photos and they stated that they have DNA, but they didn't give additional details. So no idea if it's like, you know, semen or what it is. Like could be saliva. Right. Like no one, I don't know what it is. Um, so they are still trying to solve her case. A woman named Diane Simone had heard about Amber's murder, like on the radio. And so uh -huh. she called a radio station and she was like, hey, I have this idea. In America, we get alerts for weather, for civil defense events. Why can't we do it for missing kids? And, you know, it was a whole big discussion. And she uh -huh. said, all I ask is, is if this does happen, can we call it Amber's plan? So broadcasters partnered with law enforcement and they created the Amber Alert. I don't That's know if awesome. You, I don't know if you heard that. I'm sorry. That was very loud. Um, so the Amber Alert. Do you know what Amber stands for? Because I actually didn't know Amber in Amber Alert stood for something. No. So, very smart. It stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. That's awesome. So that is kind of cool, and I did not know that. Now, the Amber Alert has to meet Sprite's specific criteria for your child to be in it uh they must law enforcement must believe an abduction occurred so it can't be a case where they think it's a runaway um they must think that the child is in imminent danger enough descriptive information about the victim and the abduction has to be given so like if you just say my kid has red hair and somebody a man stole her yeah that's, that's, that's not, not enough. a lot of information the child has to be 17 or younger and the information has to be entered into NCIC, which is the National Crime Information Center. Um, a lot of cases would meet this criteria, I think, especially if anyone has witnessed the abduction. That's, yeah, you know, that should be right on there. The Amber Alert interrupts regular programming on TV, the radio, and uh, Department of Transportation highway signs. They also can put it through digital billboards, internet service providers, internet search engines, social, social media, and mobile phones. Do you have your Amber Alert activated on your phone? Yeah, I do. I do as well. Um, because I figure I'm probably never going to be able to help, but God damn it, that one time I can, I want to. Exactly. You know, if I... Just if, in case. Right. If it ever comes up, I want to be able to help. So, as of May 1st, 2022, so pretty recent, 1,114 children have been recovered. That's awesome. Strictly from Amber Alerts. So, that's like a direct result from Amber Alerts. Yeah. Wireless alerts, like your cell phone, have resulted in the rescue of 123 children. And nice. And the Amber Alert is actually used in all U.S. states and internationally in 31 countries, which is pretty cool. That is awesome. I don't know if it's called like, the Amber Alert in other countries. It might be called right. something else, but they use right. a very similar thing. But frankly, even if that number was one, that would be enough for me. But it's pretty impressive. I mean, a thousand, and you're talking about... Yeah. I don't know exactly when it started, but I want to say it's it was within a year. Did I say 2001? Yep. Oh, God, how do you pay attention and I don't? So if that's <laughs> the case, I, I can't even find it in my notes. Um... I mean, that's that's still pretty good. That's a lot of kids yeah, every it year. Is. It is. All right. And I don't know if you've seen that just a shoot-off. I don't know if this is one of the ones you're going to talk about, the silver alert. 
Oh, no, I'm not going to talk about it, but yes, the silver alert is for the elderly who go missing. Yeah. Which is yes. pretty awesome as well. I, agree. I like it. I do so, not know. I, go ahead. I read a lot about, you know, especially like older people that have Alzheimer's or dementia or something just walking off. And yes. It's, you know, it's so scary, and I can't imagine how those people are feeling. So I love the fact that they're doing, you know, the silver alert as well so that they, they can be found and returned quickly. And my, my guess, I don't know for sure, is that that isn't named after a particular case, but just kind of fed off of the Amber Alert and went silver because of gray-haired yes. people. Exactly. Because my, my old friends, with, as I say it, with my gray hair. But anyway. <laughs> we still Would I get a silver alert? Probably. I'm freaking old. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> You're not that old. Yeah, I don't know the criteria for silver alert either off the top of my head, but I do believe it has to be, uh, I think it's over a certain age. To be yeah. considered for a silver alert, and has it, I'm sure it has to meet certain criteria as well. But my my point in mentioning that is that is something else that kind of off was an offshoot of the Amber Alert. So not only the Amber Alert saved you know thousands of children, but it it developed into this other thing that is also helping the elderly. Yes, definitely. And I've seen the, some of the cases like right in the paper about they were set they were found with the silver alert, which is awesome. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Okay, so moving on to our next case. We are going to talk about polyclass. Uh, do you have any idea what we might be talking about? Class action suit? No. No, not none. Mm-mm. Okay, well, it's not necessarily named after Polly, so you might not. Okay. Um, but her case is what spurred it. So October 1st, 1993, Polly had a sleepover with two of her friends. Her mother was asleep in another room. Around 10.30 p.m., a man named Richard Allen Davis entered Polly's bedroom, and he was carrying a knife that he grabbed from the kitchen. Now, he tied up the friends, he put pillowcases over their heads, kidnapped Polly, and told them, don't make a sound. I'm sure they were terrified, because, you know, they're around 12. Mm -hmm. um, so they didn't scream after he left. But they did untie themselves, and as soon as they did, they ran and told the mother. Part of That's me good. wants to yell and be like, you should have just screamed, but I totally get yeah. it at the same time. Yeah, I understand that they didn't. But well, first of all, I assume this is a break-in? Yes. And he was, like, at the party or anything? Oh, no. No, broke in <laughs> through the bedroom window. Okay. Um, so, an APB was put out. Do you know what an APB is? All... Police bulletin. All points bulletin, but very close. Damn. You're so close. So that so was close. put out within 30 minutes, and searches were actually conducted for two months with not wow. a whole lot of luck. Um, a few hours later that same night, it was about 20 miles north, police got a call about a prowler outside someone's house, and they found Richard Allen Davis outside of the home looking for help because he had driven his car into a ditch. Now, this is where things get frustrating. The officers at this place, this was, again, like 20 miles north. So it's a different mm -hmm. police district, a, a police department. Yeah. And they were unaware of the kidnapping because the two departments kept their radios on different channels. So they had no way to know to look out for this guy. And when the APB was put out, I believe it was only put out on the one channel as opposed to putting it on, you know. All channels? Yes. 
Because, you know, nobody leaves the, the district you're in. I don't know Isn't if you know that. that. the point of all point? Not singular point. All point. Yeah, I you would think. So, they, they kind of found him suspicious. They were pretty sure he'd been drinking. So, they checked his car and, like, searched his car, but they didn't find anything. Now, November 28th, which would have been almost two months later, the owner of that house found clothes on her property. She had been doing some, like, clearing out trees and stuff like that, and she found these clothes, and she thought that they might be related to a kidnapping. So she called the police, and they, of course, matched Polly's clothes. And so they went back through to look at the calls in the area to see if, you know, anything had come up, and they found Davis. So he got arrested, of course. Hmm. December 4th, he confessed to kidnapping and murder, and he led detectives to the body, but he wouldn't tell them what happened. Like, he refused to give any kind of details. Um, I don't know why. I mean, if you're going to confess to it, why not just... I was going to say, at that point, what are you, what harm are you doing by saying what happened? I mean, maybe you don't want people to think less of you. I don't think they can think less any of less of you. I was going to say, you're a murderer at that point. Yeah, How are I they going to think less of you? No one's going to really give a shit. You, you're still an asshole either way. But exactly. whatever. So he didn't give details. Now, um, he was convicted June 18th, 1996 of first-degree murder with four special circumstances, which were... Robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and an attempted lewd act on a child. He was sentenced to death. Now, something you need to know is that Richard Allen Davis had a very long rap sheet. He had many, many offenses, including, like, smaller things like burglary, but also kidnapping. So this wasn't his first rodeo. And the police didn't look him up when he had a problem with his car, like google his name or like put it in their police search databases for was suspicious google around shit? in 96 i don't even know oh good point but, but they probably didn't have it in their car either way um and more than likely without a reason like something more compelling they wouldn't have yeah done much more investigation on him if they found something in the car or you know maybe but they pretty much his car was in a ditch and he was an idiot that was kind of their their take on yeah, it yeah true so his first attempted kidnapping was in 1976, but the woman got away. Later, after jail and a whole bunch of other things for dumb shit, he was in a psychiatric institution and he escaped from it, broke into a house, and tied up a couple. So he was sentenced to six years for that. In 1984, he committed another kidnapping and he was sentenced to 16 years but only served eight. If he had served full time in that, he would not have been out in 1993 to kidnap Polly. Right. So, something to think in, to, to keep in mind. Mark Klaus, Yeah, apparently this guy is under the mantra, if it doesn't succeed the first time, try, try again! Yeah. Where he should have just learned his lesson and, you know, stopped. Well, that sounds crazy. I mean, we're, that's not fun. Right? No. So, Mark Class, who was Polly's father... He lobbied for something called the Three Strikes Law. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Okay. So what it does is it states that if a person commits three felonies, they receive a mandatory sentence of 25 years to life in prison. Now, this was in California. And other states had similar laws, but California was more strict. And it was kind of, regardless of what your felony was, the sentence was the same. So it would look at, like, drug trafficking or 
bribery and if you that was your felon if you did three briberies you'd go to jail mm -hmm. for life which is a little ridiculous honestly that yeah that, you know, that's a bit it needed to be more limited to violent offenses which most other states is what they do um so california's i want to say got i want to say it got changed but i'm don't hold me to that it might still be that broad but 28 states have three strikes laws and it's also a federal law so nice yeah but Polly's, Polly's dad kind of, what's the word I want, campaigned for that to get it to be three felonies and you're, you're out. I mean, it's kind of like they did it with drunk driving, too. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's, I think that's in some states, not all, but I'm not 100% sure. But same thing. I mean, if you're going to keep getting drunk and driving, I'm sorry, but eventually you need to learn. Yeah. So. Well, that and I think you're, you're if, you, if it's something you've been convicted of before then the sentence should be heavier the second time. Absolutely. And more so the third time. You know what I mean? Yes. Because, like, obviously you're not getting it. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, people with a past, you know, shouldn't get the opportunity to do right. They Obviously of they course. should. But if you're going to continue to do it, you're just stupid. Then, yeah, exactly. Then you should be punished accordingly to the fact that you're still doing it. You would think. So California didn't have it at the time, or they no, did they didn't. What state were they were in? They were in California, and it did not have it okay. at the time. So got it. Okay. Um, some of these are ones where it was the state put it in, and maybe there were other laws similar to that. But again, yeah. like California's was more wide-reaching. Yeah. So one sec. Cool. Well, good for him. So case number four, we're going to talk about a boy named Johnny Gosh. Uh, he was 12 years old. I want my last name to be Gosh. It might be Gosh, Johnny Gosh. It's not spelled the way you want it to be. So. Oh, no? No, it's G-O-S-C-H. Oh, no, it's not. No. <laughs> so, he was 12 years old from Iowa. On September 5th, 1982, he left home early to deliver newspapers because he was the newspaper boy. Oh, um, cute. Did, did you have your newspapers delivered when you were a kid? Yeah, did you know your newspaper boy? Okay, our newspaper boy wasn't a boy. It was a old woman that lived oh. down the street. Well, ours was a boy, <laughs> and we knew him very well. So, like, whenever we saw him, like, we would say hi. Like, we knew who our, our paper boy was. Um, the parents started getting phone calls very early in the morning that papers weren't delivered. And his father went out to look for him, and he found his wagon full of newspapers, but no Johnny. There were a few witnesses, so, but not, it's hard to say whether these were reliable or not. One neighbor stated that he saw Johnny talking to a man in a blue car. Uh -huh. Okay, another said that the man was in a Ford Fairmont, uh, but that's about it. I don't even know if, like, the guy who said he was in a Ford Fairmont said it was blue. I don't know. Might right. not have been. They searched for 23 days, but they didn't find anything, like nothing. Wow, that's horrible. Now, the Johnny Ghost case gets very weird. The whole case gets just real weird. All right. Years later, a man named Paul Bonacci came forward. This was in 1989. And he said when he was young, he had been abducted by traffickers. And he was forced to help kidnap Johnny. He said it was a pedophile ring 
that had children work for the government and participate in sex acts in order to blackmail politicians. Bonacci knew things that maybe he shouldn't have. Like, he knew there was a birthmark on Johnny's chest. He could describe it. He knew that Johnny would go to yoga classes with his mother, which was never made public. No one had ever mentioned this. Mm -hmm. Um, The FBI said he was unreliable due to a delinquent past and multiple personality disorder. Now... Multiple personality disorder is not very often diagnosed, although back in the 80s it might have been. Might have been a little bit more. Um, A delinquent past... I mean, if that stuff honestly happened to him, that's not surprising. Exactly. Aside from the FBI saying they didn't believe it, the the parents kind of did believe it, but it never went anywhere. Yeah, he knew stuff. Right. How How do you account for that? And I mean, who would guess yoga classes? Like... Who would right? guess that? Right, that's so, no. Especially but in the had, 80s. Because it, yoga exactly. wasn't as big it, of a it thing. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't as big then as it is now. But, like, what if this kid, what if this guy is telling the truth about what this kid was kidnapped for? Like, that's messed up. Yeah. Well, the FBI was like, yeah, whatever. So they blew it off. So then things get weirder. In 1997, Noreen, who was Johnny's mother, said that, One morning at 2.30, she was woken up. Somebody was knocking on the door. She went downstairs, and it was Johnny, who was 27 at this point. And he was there with another man. She said they came in. They spoke for about an hour. Uh, She said whenever he would say something, he would look at the other man for approval. Like, he needed permission to say certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, He did tell her that he was a victim of a pedophile ring, and they basically tossed him to the side because he got too old. He said that, uh, well, he wouldn't tell her where he lived or where he was going to go. He didn't want her to know those things. And what he said was he was still in fear for his life um, and that if she called the police, it would be unsafe for him. She she did work later with the FBI to do an updated sketch, but she did not call the police. And that was why, because she said it was unsafe for Johnny. Now, that's the last time she saw Johnny. Now, by this point, Johnny's parents were divorced. And Johnny's dad said... He doesn't know for sure whether or not it actually happened. It's questionable. Now, I think Noreen might have been, like, some people's theory was that she was just so overly stressed and so Mm -hmm. distraught that she made things up. Some people think that uh, it was somebody pretending to be Johnny, maybe to try to give her closure. But no one knows. That's still weird behavior. Well, even if... Yeah, could you imagine if if my son turned up, like, we would run away together. We would figure something out. I would would fix it for you. Um, Right. But I'm not in her shoes, so who knows? Exactly. So September 2006, Noreen came home, and she found several disturbing photos on her doorstep. One of the photos showed three boys bound and gagged, and another one showed only one boy bound and gagged, that she was sure was, was Johnny. She was almost positive it was him. It turned out later, like, somebody had uh, a, anonymously sent a letter to the police department and said somebody mm-hmm. was playing a, a game on her. That police in Florida had previously investigated the photo and they couldn't find evidence of anything criminal that had taken place. What the investigator said was, this was three boys who were playing and challenged each other to escape. Is it possible? Um, 
I guess it is, but who's taking the pictures? And maybe their mom. Some, maybe another friend. I would friend. think an adult would know better than to take pictures of that and how that looks. Not really. I mean, people do stuff like that all the time. Okay. You think about it, and and again, you're talking about if the picture was Johnny, it it would have been from like the 80s or early 90s. Yeah, that's that's you know? very true. I don't think you'd find a parent willing to do that now, but yep. Well, what's but the you might actually torture this poor woman. As, as a matter of fact, you might actually because some dumbasses posted pictures of themselves like duct taping their children to the wall as a joke and got in so much trouble for that shit. <laughs> so, oh, you know, geez. you never know. No, that's true. So that exactly. that's the whole case of Johnny, and and still nothing. He's never been found or any of that. Now, in 1984, the Johnny Gosh law passed in Iowa, and it stated that when a child is reporting missing, law enforcement must get involved. Now, the reason for this law is because previously it was 72 hours before they needed to get involved, which 72 hours is a long time. Yeah, like uh, almost the, 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 um, the trail is going cold by that point. Yeah, I mean, they say the first 24 to 48 is crucial, yes, and they were waiting exactly. 72. So by that point, so you have no evidence. It, God forbid it rains, you know, like... Right! Terrible. Um, another, That's crazy. Another little tidbit was that Johnny Gosh uh, was the second child featured on the milk carton. Do you remember when they had missing kids on milk cartons? I, I was do. thinking about why they stopped that, and then I realized we went to, like, plastic gallons instead of paper. Yeah. But I, I'm surprised because that was actually kind of smart. I mean, everybody has milk in their house, so yeah. Um, he was also part of pizza boxes, dude. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, they started putting just a complete aside. There was one pizzeria that started putting like um, animals up for adoption on their pizza boxes. That's awesome. I love Isn't it. it. <laughs> but that's actually smart because how many people order pizza? Like, how smart would that? We need to go into business. Exactly. Although it's exactly. not a business. You don't make money off of that. Um, Johnny Gosh also inspired the creation of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. He was part of the inspiration, but we'll get into right. a case um, probably next week about who really inspired it. But okay. Johnny Gosh was part of it. That's so sad. I can't imagine. All right. Our last case for the week, number five. This one is short. Uh, We're going to talk about Joan D'Alessandro. Now, she was seven years old. She lived in New Jersey. She was going out. Now, it's it's a little bit disputed on the facts here. She either was going to sell Girl Scout cookies or to deliver Girl Scout cookies that were already purchased. Uh, This is April 19th, 1973. She went to her neighbor, Joseph McGowan's house, and knocked on the door. He was a high school teacher. He taught science. Within minutes of him knocking on the, her knocking on the door, he had sexually assaulted her and killed her. He dumped her body at the edge of Harriman State Park, where she was found April 22nd, which was Easter, which sucks. Uh, her mother... Yeah, he works fast. Yeah, well, it don't take long. It's one of the things I always try to tell people is shit happens no. very quickly. Yep, seconds. Yep. Her mother, Rosemary, had fought to keep him in jail up until he died in 2021. So she'd been fighting this for, what, uh, almost 50 years? I mean, it's, Obviously, no, they 40 years. I don't him. math good. 
I don't know. I'm not going to math good. Almost 50 years is what we're going with. Yeah. Um, yes, they did catch and convict him. I mean, I think that's why I said I think she was delivering the cookies because I think the mother knew she was going to Joseph McGowan's. Um, so every few years he would put in a bid for parole. Um, Uh and he had retained an attorney to do this using inheritance Uh money he received. Rosemary. Yeah. Rosemary worked to get two laws passed. Okay. Jones law, which, uh, was signed in 1997 states that anyone who murders a child under 14 years of age in conjunction with a sex offense will never be eligible for parole. The uh, federal version of this was signed in 1998. And, of course, it didn't apply retroactively to the case. Of course. And the protected age actually got raised to 18 in 2017. They raised it up. So now it's 18 or under. Um, The Justice for Victims Law was passed in New Jersey and New York. And that eliminates the statute of limitations for wrongful death actions brought in murder and manslaughter cases. So what it does is it allows the victim to sue the criminal if they acquire right. funds at any time after the crime. So if you get arrested today and you're broke as hell and then your uncle dies and leaves you $100,000 even though you're an asshole and in jail, the victims can you claim that money. that money. Yep. So good. I like it. It's good. Yep. Way to go, Rosemary. Yeah. Go, Mom. So those are our five cases. And we go ahead. We hope you enjoyed this week, and we'll have five new cases on crimes that, um, no. what are we saying? <laughs> crimes, <laughs> crimes that change laws. Yes, crimes that change laws. Next week! Yay! <laughs> Until then. Bye.